0: It's the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, it's light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details. You are Locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Daniel Wehrer, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. The Warriors had another game, it feels like they've had so many recently, and it took a couple of different forms, started out super strong, ended up getting closer, but they still ended up winning 106-99 against the the Jazz, and it's a fascinating game in a lot of different ways, because initially, and, and loosely throughout, it paralleled a lot of the Clippers game, and so the reason I say that is because in the first quarter, the Warriors absolutely dominated top to bottom, great defense solid offense overall, largely fueled by that transition, but they also missed a lot of open shots that could have made it even more dramatic. So it was 35, 17 after the first quarter, but the Warriors were three of 12 from three, which is a meaningful difference. They also outscored the jazz in the paint in that first quarter, 14 10, which was interesting. And then the second quarter, and really you could argue the second and third quarters were holding on while playing a little bit worse. Then it got tighter late but not tight enough that it was a really a concern. And so the Warriors ended up winning. And what made this game different in a lot of in a lot of ways was just kind of some of the specific structures of it. So we found out yesterday that both Gordon that both Rodney Hood and George Hill definitely were gonna play. Already knew Derek Favors wasn't gonna play. Then Late last night, found out or this morning that Gordon Hayward wasn't going to play. And so it took a lot of the intrigue out of this game. The Jazz, at their best, are a very dynamic team and potentially even the most dangerous Western Conference squad to face the Warriors. But without four of their five starters, that wasn't the case. And the Warriors followed one of the great hallmarks of good teams early on, which was when you're facing an opponent who is shorthanded, you want to knock them out early. And by and large, the Warriors did that. I mean, that first quarter created the margin that did everything else. And it you have to argue kind of in a counterfactual when you get into that kind of a circumstance because if the game had been closer, they probably, maybe they would have played a little harder, probably took their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. But that gave them the margin, much like it did against the Clippers. The rest of the game was closer, and I think actually both the home teams were overall ahead from the second to the fourth quarter. So that was the part that was similar. What was different and important in this game was how the Warriors struggled in the third quarter. So in the third quarter, they did way too much offensively, way too much settling. So they took six shots in the paint, Five in the restricted area, and one in the one in the uh, paint, non-restricted area. They took five mid-rangeers, and so they only were one of five from the mid-range. Usually, they'll make one or two more of those because they have good shooters. Clay took a couple of ill-advised shots. Durant took a couple that usually go in, but they also only got to the line twice, and that shows a lack of aggression. There might have been one or two calls that went against them, but they weren't show they weren't forcing the issue at all, and. They ended up doing much better at that in the fourth quarter, particularly Durant. But when the Warriors are bad, when they're not playing well, that's what happens. They settle for bad shots. There's not as much ball movement, not as much player movement. And then they they just don't really make the defense work as hard. And you can also see that by the assist numbers. They only had four assists in that third quarter, four assists on seven makes, and They also struggled defensively. They were doing a lot of the stuff that Utah did earlier in the game, where they were making the first couple rotations reasonably well and then just not holding it for a full 20, 24 seconds. And Utah plays slow. They don't always deliberately make you work for the whole 24, but they often do. And it was a lot more reminiscent, actually, of a fourth quarter in one of these kind of blowout games than a third quarter. And that's what made it more tense. If they had been outscored by seven points and if they kept it even in the first, in the second and third quarters, then you can have that sort of elapse in the fourth quarter and still be comfortably ahead. But then they had it in the third and the fourth, but that incredible first quarter was more than enough to sustain it. And yet again, in those, in that first three quarters, there wasn't really a warrior offensively that had a definitive game. Curry had a few great moments, including getting fouled, shooting three pointers twice, I believe both times by Dante Exum might have been one time by somebody else. First time he made the three, so it was a four point play. Second time he missed the three, got all three fouls and, and made it. And while I don't love that the NBA rules encourage what he did on the second one, which was that he got the player, I believe it was Exum, in the air and then basically jumped into him and got the foul. That's the way the refs are interpreting it. That's the rule as it's written. So I can't complain too much about doing it As it's called, and Curry is such a great free throw shooter that it's it's totally a justifiable thing. Even though it's a lot more effective when it's better for you if that opponent is in foul trouble. And Exum was not particularly great in this game. Played solid enough defense, but offensively was was a big trouble area. Had some had some just shaky passes. Wasn't really creating much separation. Also, like the Warriors in the third quarter, settled for some bad shots. Ended up one for eleven from the field. So. That first quarter was reminiscent of what we saw against the Clippers, but it was also different because they got fewer live ball turnovers. It was five, which is still a ton. Like five is is great, but it's not as many as they had before. And because the Jazz are incredibly good at getting back on, on in transition, even off a live ball turnover, the Warriors did end up with four points in fast break, which is ridiculous when you force five steals. But also, they only took two field goals in that time. I think they got fouled once or twice. But that shows you what getting back on in-transition defense can do, and it's actually something the Warriors can take something from as they move forward, that having that sort of effort can do it, especially when Golden State does not have a a great group of offensive rebounders, by and large. They had some nice moments today on that end. They ended up with nine offensive rebounds. But it's not their strength of their team, particularly when other players are on the floor. And I ended up being excited for this game beyond, you know, not really expecting it to be a loss for the Warriors. I was excited because having Livingston out was justifiable. It's not like he was hurt or anything like that, but it allowed the Warriors to try some different lineups. And one of the ones they tried was interesting was at the end of the first quarter, since Livingston was out, they played Clark and McCaw together at the two guard spots. And that worked... Sorry, it was not the it wasn't the end of that quarter. I think it was in the second. And it worked reasonably well. Yeah, it was with David West. And they were able to create enough. It put a lot on Durant's shoulders. And there were times when when one of those guys, Clark or McCaw, got, got the ball and was kind of thinking, oh, I can run something. And then basically Durant would call for it and take a lot of that onus on himself. But they worked well defensively. They competed because that group also had Andre Guadala. And I could see that working stretches when they need it. And it was strange because both Clark and McCaw had some really nice moments, but they were very separated. McCaw had 10 points in the first half, which I believe was a career high, and then didn't score again in the rest of the game. He had some nice defensive moments outside of that, forced to steal, and but his best time was in that first half. Clark was pretty much a non-factor for most of the game but then had two just huge threes late in the game when the Warriors were stagnating offensively and the only two guys that were really doing a whole heck of a lot were Durant and Clark and Durant would have been enough to win it I mean it wasn't that close but Clark's two threes really did help define it and I was thinking during the game about the idea that Wrote a piece, did a podcast earlier in the year about how if you count Livingston and all the other guys, the Warriors have about 40 minutes for everyone else for outside of the top six, outside of the the big four stars, and then Iguodala and Livingston. But my my question that I've been thinking about is, do we need to count those 20 minutes for Livingston as being a given? He'll certainly play some. I mean, it's it's probably the argument about whether it should be 15 or whether it should be 20, and a big Part of that question is how much do the Warriors want to play Livingston with Curry? Because if Curry is healthy, he's probably going to play about 40 minutes per game in the playoffs and more more in the more intense ones, less in the, in the smaller games, whether that be earlier or blowouts. And that means you're thinking more of backcourt players in terms of how they fit with Steph as opposed to how they function as a second unit, because Livingston at the present should certainly be in whenever Curry is out, but if that's somewhere in the 8-10 to range, then you have to think about it differently, and both McCaw and Clark bring something to the table in terms of shooting. It's a different kind of activity defensively. Clark has actually had some really nice defensive games. This was not particularly one of them, but he has had that kind of a performance. Livingston is largely going to be playing the two or the three defensively in those moments, and so if Clark, McCarr both can establish that some of those 40 minutes, the 40 non-star minutes, can go to them, you maybe you start to expand that 40 to 45 or something like that. And there's a lot of time for those guys to grow. Clark was on the Warriors last year, but wasn't even in the mix there because Leandro Barbosa was so far ahead of him, a Kerr favorite, and McCaw was still at UNLV. So I'm not entirely sure at this point how that's going to work out, but that's sort of the point of this, is that with so many new pieces and same pieces in new, in new situations, the Warriors need to use the remaining five months to figure all of this out. That's what the regular season is for in many ways. And so how those dynamics work and also how those guys play together because they should get more minutes together than just garbage time. And I think we're going to start seeing that as we move forward. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this game afterwards, but want to tell you a little bit about Mac Weldon, one of the early sponsors of Locked On Warriors. It is a apparel company that focuses on smart design, premium fabrics and simple shopping. I knew of Mac Weldon but did not have any experience with them. Fortunately, as a part of this, I got to try out their stuff and the way that I handle that is I try to get a variety of different different pieces and then really put them to the test. So that was wearing them when I worked out, wearing them when I did, you know, different activities, when I went out and everything like that. And so I was very, very, very impressed. And, It's comfortable. It works well in that variety. They also have a line of of silver material, which I got a couple of things of silver underwear and shirts, which are naturally antimicrobial. And so they have a lot of different types of stuff. So they have underwear, they have socks, shirts, undershirts. I really like their socks. I got some, since I'm a UCLA alum, I got some powder blue and and yellow ones. I was amazed they even had that color combination, got those and really like them. They look good. They're extremely comfortable. And you can check it out, MacWeldon.com, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, and there's promo code is L-O-W for Locked On Warriors, and you get twenty percent off your first order. and it's also great because it tells them that you come from us. I've been very impressed with the brand. I will I will go back there after this, this batch that I already have. I need to figure out what I, what else I need in terms of to fill out my repertoire, but I've been I've been impressed with it. It looks good, it performs really well. And again, it's MacWeldon.com, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. I'm not exactly sure what to take from this game in terms of the idea of them kind of losing it a little bit late. The settling in the third quarter was certainly an issue. That's something that will probably be corrected with time and do that. But also another thing that happened in particularly actually in the fourth quarter was after having a, an excellent game defensively on, on Wednesday against the Clippers, Clay Thompson had a lot of trouble with Shelvin Mack. Could be fatigue, could be that Mack is an extremely different player than J.J. Reddick, but Mac was driving he's a very talented driver it's it's probably the best thing the thing that's keeping him in the NBA at this point but clay is going to have to get better in those kinds of spots because at certain moments he is going to be asked to defend those players and the warriors are fortunate that the western conference we talked about this uh something about when they when they played the hawks and dennis schroeder had one of the best games he's had a lot as, as since becoming a starter is that they have trouble with waterbug point guards shelvin mack is not quite that he's he's a little burlier he's a little bit slower but the Warriors have the benefit of not having a ton of those point guards at the high end of the Western Conference, unless you consider Patty Mills that. I, I think he's something a little bit different, but they still need to figure out how they're going to handle that sort of a thing, especially if if Steph's going to either be out or have that sort of a problem. And another thing that might have led partially to the lax play in the fourth, not really in the third, was that. Draymond Green tweaked his ankle at the end of the third quarter and, well, it ended up not being serious. That can rattle a team a little bit. And playing on the road, on a back-to-back, in altitude, and that's something that really gets lost in the shuffle is that well, Denver, everyone hypes it, oh, the altitude, oh, it's so bad. Utah is lower. It's, it's a, I think, a couple thousand feet lower. But they are the other team that has a reliable home court advantage in the league due to their altitude, and that's adjusted to team quality. Because, of course, if a team is good or bad, their home record's going to look very different. And the Vivint Smart Home Arena, I believe is the name, their crowd was into it. At, even after the Warriors took the life out of them in the first quarter, they came back strong, were a little bit defiant as Joe Ingles and the rest of the Jazz really put it together late. And that probably made it a little bit harder for the Warriors, the fatigue, everything else. And also, it's emotional fatigue, too, because the Clippers game was the one circled on their calendar, and it can be hard, Warriors fans know this a lot this year, to stay engaged in a game against an opponent you feel is inferior in a game like that. And while I would relish laying it on Kerr or something with the idea of, oh, why was Draymond in the game? It was the third quarter and the game they had the lead had been cut. You know, they they had done that. It would be it would have been great if the Warriors could have kept their foot on the gas pedal, not only to give more rest to the starters cuz they played some serious minutes in this game. Durant played 36, Draymond played almost 35 despite missing a little bit of time due to the ankle injury. Steph played 35 and a half but also because Damian Jones was actually active for this game first time in his NBA career. And if it had been a 20 point game in the fourth quarter, he likely would have gotten a few minutes, gotten some reps in the NBA. And it's always good to get that for a young guy. And he's probably going to go back to Santa Cruz now. That's what I've been hearing, but it would have been nice to give him a little bit, a little bit of burn, but it was completely justifiable that they didn't in this game considering what ended up happening. And I was interested that a. at, a couple moments in the game, particularly late, for the second time in the last couple of games, I think Coach Kerr had Clay Thompson on the bench at a moment where it seemed like he was rested. Where I started to wonder. There was a moment yesterday because Nate and I were watching together because of the Twitter NBA show, where we won where Nate asked me if Clay was in foul trouble. I think it was in the second quarter, and I said no. And in this game, Clay was struggling. And after the game, Ethan Schroed-Strauss tweeted out that Coach Kerr explained it by saying Clark was running better, was playing better. That may be true. Clay took a few, forced a few shots. His defense on Shelvin Mack wasn't wasn't great, but you do need to rely on your best players to give you that chance to win. And you can play the hot hand at moments, but Clay is still the vastly superior player. There is very little on a basketball court that Ian Clark does better than Clay Thompson. So even on a a bad day, and one of the defining characteristics of Clay Thompson is that. A bad game can turn into a good game very, very quickly with him. More on the offensive end than the defensive end, but still, still true. So I wonder how that will affect it moving forward. Now, after winning these two games, coupled with a Spurs loss tonight in Chicago, San Antonio's first home loss of the year, the Warriors now have a two game lead in the loss column on the rest of the Western Conference. I think it's four on everybody but the Spurs. And that helps clarify it a little bit. San Antonio, because Pop doesn't care about that sort of a thing very much, unless it's really, really close late. I don't think the Warriors are going to suffer too much in terms of that, as long as as they maintain a little bit of a lead in particular. But it's worth watching because it affects the way they rest players and everything like that. It's also disappointing for me that we don't get to see now we never get to see the Warriors and the Jazz in the regular season at full strength in Salt Lake City. They do play two more times, but both of those games are an Oracle. And one of them is the second to last game of the year when it's very possible one or both of these teams will be strategically resting guys because that's a, that's a smart idea. Last year was the anomaly for the Warriors in terms of keeping everybody on the floor, keeping everybody active. Usually when a team is as good as the Warriors are, you don't see that very often. So I'm going to be interested in in what happens in terms of the rotation and everything else like that against Memphis on Saturday. The Warriors get a travel day tomorrow. Go to Memphis because that is the front end of a back-to-back against they go from there to Minneapolis. Not a long flight, but long-ish. And Minnesota has played the Warriors relatively well in the past. First time we're going to see Draymond against Carl Anthony Towns and all that kind of stuff and Memphis is the walking wounded but they keep on winning they beat Portland tonight and I think that they're their specific talents will be will not be well suited to face the Warriors. That said, Marcus Gasol has been a monster and that kind of a big man can certainly be a problem for them especially now that he's actually shooting threes which is pretty exciting and cool. I've been excited. I've really enjoyed that he and Brook Lopez in the same summer have added that more set shot three because both those guys were comfortable from the deep two and the three pointer beyond being worth more. It does stretch out the defense if you're playing a straight five. It's part of the reason the Draymond at center lineups work is because it's naturally harder to defend so that will be one that will be exciting it could turn really quickly but something we've already seen from the Warriors on this trip is just because a game gets becomes a blowout early doesn't mean it's a blowout forever so it'll be an interesting weekend for both games I am still unsure at this point whether I'm going to do a post-gamer on Saturday for those of you who probably heard it there's a little bit of a let's call it a tickle in my throat. If that's not better, that will lead in one direction. If not, we'll go the other way, but I'll definitely be doing something Sunday night, either recapping both games or just recapping the Minnesota one. So you can look forward to that. Thank you so much to everyone for the support. It's been a lot of fun. This has been a really good week, not only for the Warriors, but for locked on warriors. And I appreciate all of that. And all of you who watched the Twitter NBA show, the numbers were very, very good on that and very appreciative of everything else like that. If you want to support the show, You can download every episode, you can subscribe, you can leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast player of your choice. It's awesome if it's iTunes because that has a bigger resonance, but if it's something else, it's something else. And you can give your feedback, good, bad, indifferent, to me, NBA at gmail.com is probably the best way to do so, but you can also reach out on Twitter. The benefit of email is that it is kind of permanent, it sits in my inbox, and on Twitter there's a very real chance I'm going to miss stuff because... People send me things all the time, so re- you, dealer's choice with everything like that. But do whatever you're going to do. Really, really appreciate all of that. Also, you can support us by checking out Mac Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com. M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Great apparel, underwear, socks, everything of that nature. I've been really impressed with their stuff. And if you use the promo code L-O-W for Locked On Warriors, you get twenty percent off your first order. So again, MacWeldon.com l-o-w i said before i don't know exactly when we'll be back but we of course absolutely will be back thanks again for the support have a great weekend and make it a great day san jose sharks hockey is back and we've got you covered five days a week at locked on sharks i'm kyle demetrius i'm jd young eric foul together we make sure you're never without your sharks programming will the sharks make a trade for a right winger we got you covered will eric carlson's groin hold up for the entire season we've got you covered whatever happens with team teal every day we've got you covered at locked on sharks five days a week on the locked on podcast network this is josh lloyd the host of the locked on fantasy basketball podcast the number one fantasy basketball podcast